You really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking jog, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walcha from Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are recording live above the butcher shop for our year-end uh, episode here in Valley Farm Market, and I'm with my man Derek Marceau. What's going down? This, the temperature. The temperature, it's finally. It's cold. California uh, stopped burning. California uh, cold weather of 50 degrees. We don't know what to do. Everyone's wearing long sleeves and jackets, and we're acting like it's fucking. I know. We should we should go hang out with our friends in Norway. They can show us what real cold is. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's no fifty joke. degrees, and we're bundled up here. Yeah. I mean, you you went to school in Colorado. And yeah. I was in Kansas, right next to it. So I mean, we fucking it was some gnarly days. Eighteen below and wind chill. But yeah, now all of a sudden we get out here and get used to this weather, and now we just think it's freezing. Right. Well, we're uh, we're really excited today. This is a business and marketing um, podcast. We're so fortunate that we're already at episode number thirty-five. It's been quite a journey for Derek and I and Corey, the producer. Um, we're we're very fascinated with business. Obviously, we're very fascinated with marketing. We're fascinated with what's happening in twenty eighteen um, in the hospitality industry, as well as what's happening in business in general. And, uh, today we get to bring on someone that I've known, uh, since high school, actually one of my Tommy, uh, my brother, it's, uh, one of his best friends. We became good friends because we, uh, our love of basketball and, uh, playing pickup hoops. Uh, there's always the people that you hate to play against. And Grayson was one of those people. And I was also one of those people that people hated to play against. Because um, you so foul all the time, probably. I always fouled out. Yeah. <laughs> Too I was, rough, I, was I was always good at fouling out. Um, but yeah, ne- never the most athletic on the court was, was me. I was always the scrappy one. And Grayson and I, we got along very well back then. But the CEO of Power Digital Marketing, uh, Grayson LaFrenz, welcome to Behind the Smoke, my man. Yeah, good to be here, guys. Really appreciate you having me on and a uh, big fan of the podcast. Listen to several of the episodes and so fun to be here with you and talk business. Well, we uh, we appreciate you tuning into those episodes for sure. Absolutely. I'm actually just really excited to fucking learn today. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm so naive to all this uh digital marketing and I'm just getting my my foot wet and um really excited to to hear the journeys and and know what goes on behind the scenes because like I said, I'm a very nuts and bolts kind of guy and We'll get down there and cut up a salmon or fillet out a fish or do whatever I need to do. And learning this side, it's been been pretty exciting for me. Well, that's one of the coolest things, at least for me, is watching Derek and myself grow with this podcast. It's forced us outside of our comfort zone um, to interview people that are, you know, not just in the barbecue industry, not just in the res- restaurant industry, not just in the butcher shop, um, people that are doing other things, you know, like the Ernie Hans, the Scott Heaths, the Scott Kaplans, and um, people like you, you know, somebody that I know and somebody that, you know, really you're on the forefront of what is a hot button topic for 2018 and moving forward, um, digital marketing. Let's let's dig into it. Let's talk a little bit about um, your, your path, I guess, from graduating from U of A and then uh, getting to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, speaking of the weather, 
you guys are cold. I'm this room that we're in is free. <laughs> and uh, both these Spoken guys, like I a think, true San Diegan. <laughs> yeah, a, a San Diegan that then went to college at the University of Arizona. And these guys have a couple pounds on me. I'm skinny, skinny, tall guys. So if they're cold. You can imagine how I feel. But um, you know, as Sean said, my path. I grew up in San Diego. Went to La Jolla High School. Um, you know, knew Sean and his brothers from the La Jolla Rec Center basketball courts and playing tons of sports together. And then. From there, I went out and went to college at uh, University of Arizona. No partying went on there, I'm sure. No, I, I went there strictly for the academics. Um, you know, when I, when I was on campus, it was the library that really turned me yes. on going there. Not the uh, pool party. The and, library, was that the name of a bar? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's there's one called the Meat Rack, which is an interesting place there. I'm and, not kidding you. We had a, a bar called the library. So did we. Kansas in State. Boulder, we yeah. had one too, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, they do that for the parents so that, you know, when you ring up the parents' <laughs> yeah. credit card, they, and you're like, oh, I'm at the library. At the library. library. Yeah, buying books. Yeah. Red Bulls are Textbooks. Um, so I went to school out there and, um, I actually started, you know, I, I didn't study business. So, uh, most people, most business people study business. I did not. And, uh, in honesty, it was just because the business school was the hardest school and I was never a big student. I didn't want to be in the hardest school. So I actually started in communications just because I had heard it was pretty easy and I figured, Hey, I, I can communicate. I know how to do this. And on my first course, as I got into my major, my good friend, uh, Mark Rios wasn't the best, best student. I let him take a look at my paper and he ended up kind of plagiarizing my paper. And in the first course, like the professor for that course was one of the main guys in the communications program. He called us in and basically was like, he gave Mark an F. So he was immediately going to leave communications. He gave me a C. But he's like, I got my eyes on you. And I was like, you know what? This is not the right first impression. I need to switch it up. Yeah. You know, I don't like communications anyways. So then I ended up uh, doing a major called regional development. Um, and I did that honestly because it was, this is bad and I'm not recommending this to anybody, but it was just the easiest major at, at school. But it was kind of like a cross between real estate and, you know, land development of all things. Hmm. We appreciate so, honesty. Yeah. And most of the lessons that I learned in school were just to become an adult, you know, yeah. how to not overdraft your debit card. <laughs> right. Um, you know, how to, I wasn't very successful at that. No. Yeah, yeah. It, it took me a couple of lessons, how to cold call, you know, a, a girl at the bar. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of honestly things that are really valuable business lessons. Um, but I, I learned a lot more and kind of the social experiences and just living away from home as a to college. And so then, you know, during that time, my business partner now, actually Robert Rodriguez, we, um, we had written a bunch of business plans and started some small businesses in school and kind of had some different things that we, that we hustled and did to make money. And so when we graduated, you know, we thought, perfect, we'll go into business for ourselves. We'll be entrepreneurs. And, you know, really quickly realized we didn't know shit and that <laughs> nobody was going to give us any money. And that it took, you know, money or at least having income so you can survive to be able to do something. And so I ended up getting pushed into sales and went and worked for Xerox um, and was told, Hey, if you develop sales as a skill, you know, salespeople make the most money. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you'll need to learn how to, you know, sell and drive business. And so that's kind of where my professional career started. Where did, uh, how did, who pushed you into that? Uh, my dad, you know, I think a really smart thing for, for young people. And one thing that my parents always did is my dad, you know, he was like, Hey, you just need to go talk to a bunch of people. And so he gave me, you know, a list of, uh, connections that he had and whatnot, their names and phone numbers and said, you know, call, email these guys, get a meeting and go pick their brain. And so, uh, a guy, Gary green, I believe it was a friend of my dad's I talked to, and he was like, you need to learn from these guys. They'll 
they're the best salespeople, best leadership people out there. And went and worked for Xerox. And then um, quick funny story there. So my manager, you know, I had this low level manager because I was like the new guy, didn't know anything, like you know, twenty one year old <laughs> stupid kid. Right. And uh, we actually went out for like an after work thing one night and turned into a pretty late night. And he ended up actually like calling in like at Xerox. They had this like voicemail thing where, you know, if somebody would get a deal, they'd call in and leave a company wide voicemail. Well, he got all fucked up that night (laughs) and called into that voicemail and put like the executive vice president on blast and just like literally talk shit about the guy to the whole company. So the next day he was gone. And so, you know, it was an emergency. Were you with him? Uh, no, I was not with, I mean, I was with him earlier in the night. Um, I went home, Uber, you know, took a cab home. There was an Uber then as well with other people that we were all with. And he, you know, I guess turned it up from there a little bit. Um, so I wasn't involved in any regard. I was shocked when I came in and turned, you know, heard the voicemail. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this guy did this. But it worked I out wish, great I wish you for still me. had it. Yeah, I should have kept we're, it like yours. We're a yours. big fan we of our, archi- archiving voicemails. Yeah. <laughs> could have played that on the entrance. Um, but the uh as an emergency move like the main guy like became my manager and so i I was super lucky because this guy his name's jt you know i I just learned i got my masters from him and you know the next three years i learned everything about businesses and you know great things that businesses do and then i also was just a sponge and saw some really crappy things that businesses do in terms of how they treat their people um just how they approach things and so you know learned more there than probably any period of my life, I'd say. Yeah, it's hard to to learn experiences in in college. You know, you can't you can't just in a classroom. You you really have to go experience those things. Um, you know, what what he taught you is something you can't put a fucking a dollar on. You can't, you can't put a price on that. It's it's just the experience of being there, understanding it, being present, and being open to to education at that time because. I know for me, a lot of times it wasn't really that easy to be open to education in college because I was doing so many other things, whether it be partying, football, whatever it was. It wasn't until after where I was like, okay, then I really got to fucking start learning here. So I, same kind of concept, just would be a sponge and take in whatever. If someone wanted to tell me something, I'm like, I'm here to listen. Go for it. I go, I want to hear your story. So that's pretty much um, what, you know, you're kind of saying you were doing, just soaking it all up as much as you could. Yeah. yeah. And there's like no context when you're in college. Like you don't know anything. Sure. You know, I feel like the whole concept of maybe <coughs> taking a year and working, you know, and then going to school probably wouldn't be as fun. So like, I don't know if I'd want to do that necessarily, but you would get a lot more out of that, you know, hundred thousand dollar education or whatever sure. you pay these days. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, very fascinating for you to just talk about your journey in college. Cause when I went to college, I didn't, I thought I was going to study business. I took some business class. I fucking hated them. I mean, they were brutal, you know, micro and macro economics. Oh my God, and, it was brutal. Yeah. It was like, you know, it, it was like punishment for sitting in the class. And I was like, I don't want to fucking learn this. And then I took some sociology classes and I loved it, you know, took those. And like, as long as I was eager to learn something more then I was like, okay, well, what the fuck am I going to do with a sociology degree? Especially going to my grandfather, who's a medical doctor and tell him, Hey, I know you're paying for college, but you know, I'm going to study sociology. And it's like, that, that's like, you know, might as well be studying fucking Mars. You know, it's, it, it just didn't make any sense to him. And it was hard for me to make that decision. But, you know, ultimately I'm glad I did because I learned a lot more outside of college than I did. You know, I probably would have in those business classes. Yeah, totally. And one thing I've realized about myself and then just, man, I mean, we have 55 people at Power Digital now and a lot of them are millennials. I'd say like our average 
you know, team member is a millennial probably. So what's the millennial definition? Because I'm I, a millennial myself. I I'm, think, a, I'm a fringe, I think. Yeah, I think you're a, a class fringer. of 2000. You have so all the characteristics of, of a millennial. Your age is just, I uh, totally act it. like a millennial. <laughs> so you have all the negative, and, but you have the age yeah. of, you know, whatever that generation above that is. But, um, you know, the millennial is, I think, I think it's like your age 34 or or lower, something so class, like that. class of 2001, 2002. Something like that's that, me. I think. That's, that's yeah. you. 2001. I'm 2000 millennial. Yeah. But, um, but the biggest thing I've realized is that everybody learns different and like I learn on my own accord. Like I don't learn really well, like with somebody teaching me directly, I learn more by doing, but there are a lot of people that learn really well, you know, being taught. So yeah. I think you guys probably in what you're saying about school are, you know, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, are more like that where they're more like hands on. And I fucking that. have to do that. I mm -hmm. have to do that. I mean, when I, I had to teach myself how to learn you know, in college because I couldn't read a page or I could read a chapter in a book and then I, I wouldn't fucking understand. I'm like, I just read that whole chapter, every fucking word. And I know nothing of what I just read. So every fucking paragraph I'd have to write notes because if I didn't do that, it was like me just being proactive and saying, okay, this is what I have to do. And then I can dissect what I just read right then to, for me to learn it. I, I couldn't do it any other way. It's hard and you have to fucking, be very, very self-aware of, of how you do those things. And it kind of sucks because, you know, I have ADD and it's hard for me to like just sit still and like read something and, and do it all. So I had to just really focus on, on how to do it. And it was, it was tough, man. It's, it's real tough, but I'm a very, very hands-on. If you give me something, let's do it. I'll, I'll do it once and I, and I pretty much got it, you know? So everyone's different though. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that too, just, you know, the correlation between athletics as well as business i mean you know a lot of what you we learned growing up playing sports you learn it when you do it you know you learn it when you fucking fall on your ass and you're you know you're supposed to box somebody out to get a rebound and instead you don't box them out and then somebody comes in knocks your ass over you learn by doing it and i'm sure you know Derek, that that was pretty applicable to you growing up you know playing football and all the sports that you played yeah i mean it took me a while to really understand the scheme of, of football, to be honest. It was yeah. more like, that guy has the football. I tackle him so he can't <laughs> run anymore. You just tell me to go sure. get him. I'm going to go get him, you know? And then once I started like understanding my, my disability and, and how to learn, it, it took me a while to, to understand it. And once I taught myself how to learn, you know, it, then it started all kind of making sense for me. Sure. So you were at Xerox, which uh, you were there for three years. Yeah, so I spent uh, three years there, and it was, I mean, a great three years. Loved it. I mean, they're a sales organization through and through, and I was their top salesperson. How so did you become fun. the top salesperson? I just, I mean, early on, again, just it was like a heat-seeking missile. Just outworked everybody and, you know, had no fear of rejection. So, yeah. you know, I... I it's a numbers game, you know, with sales and you get rejected a lot more, um, That's than, than you get good news. And so we'll talk about a little bit about the old way of sales. Like if you were now knowing what you know now, yeah, going back to, you know, cold calling and all these things that we used to do in sales to what you guys do now as an agency. Yeah, totally. I was just meeting with uh, somebody about this and kind of showing them the new, the new way of sales. And I think the biggest difference, so I'm 32 now and back then, so this was like 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Forever and, ago. I've, yeah. I've first iPhone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I didn't even have an iPhone. I had like a, a Blackberry or a there flip you go. phone, but, um, you know, it was all over the phone. So like back then it was funny because like the new age sales, this was like in early two thousands was on the phone and the old school guys like were like knocking on doors. And I remember yeah. being like, Oh, that's so old school. Why, why <laughs> would I so knock on school. doors? 
when I can call, yeah. you know, in the time that you can knock on five doors, I can call, you know, 25 people and I'm not talking to the receptionist. Yeah. Well, now it's even different is like people don't, a lot of people don't have phones on their desks and like, I will never answer the phone. And yeah. if you get me on the phone, um, I am not interested at all in what you have to offer. I'm annoyed with salespeople. So now what works is a kind of content marketing. So, you know, what we're doing on this podcast right now, um, there's tons of formats of it, but you know, providing good information out there and letting people digest that and building credibility and then having them come to you. But the more outbound method now is more email marketing and prospecting. Mm -hmm. And I get it all the time. I'll get emails from people and I'm like, they have a really good catchy headline. They hit on a problem that I have. I'll read it and I will forward that on to one of my team members. And then there's a good chance they're, they're going to, you know, evaluate that technology or what they're selling. And sometimes I'll respond to them. And a lot of times I'll just look at it and be like, okay, and then I don't, I just archive it. And then, you know, maybe three months later when I'm like, I need this, I go search my email and they're right there. Mm -hmm. So I think that the new, the new age is more, you know, with the internet and with technology, you know, it, it more is that content and really, you know, fishing as opposed to hunting. Yeah. But then I do see the hunting more, the channel is more efficient via email um, just because people do not want no one has a landline anymore. It's not only email, but it's also direct message through social channels. Yeah, right? direct message through social, you know, as well. Um, it's just changed drastically. Yeah. And that's a little more person, personal, too. I mean, for me, if someone calls at the store, I mean, I'm not trying to be a, a pretentious prick, but it's like, I'm fucking busy. I have so much shit to do, and well, it's almost disrespectful. You could call me and just thinking that you're going to have so much time. crazy. No, you got to set up an appointment or whatever it is. I don't, I don't care right now, and... and you feel bad after, because I always fucking hang up on them, you know? Yeah. And it's like, they, they just don't, they don't get it. Do a little bit of due diligence on the company, talk to them, you know, meet them, say, hey, can I, can I have some time or whatever the, through the email? Um, that for me, that's what, that's what helps me is when they actually know a little bit about what we're doing. Sure. Well, I mean, I, we talk about on this podcast, you know, there's so many salespeople that are getting it wrong even today in 2017, 2018 that, you know, even if they do use the email, it's, oh, I have something that I'm going to offer you that's going to save you money. Give me 15 minutes of your time. And you can insert any company into it. And it's just, it's lazy and it's inefficient. You know, when you start doing things like podcasting, we're, I mean, Derek and I, we talk about all the things that are going to make you successful in selling, you know, start participating in our events, you know, our charity events. These are the things that Derek and I really care about, build a relationship the old way. And that's, that's the old way of hustling, you know, like, I'm guarantee you the reason why you were number one in sales is because you did your due diligence on the back end. You knew exactly who the gatekeeper was. You knew exactly what the company needed. You yeah. knew the pressure points. You knew what you knew about the industry. You know, you have to do all that homework in order to get that meeting. And that hasn't changed. You know, that, that probably never will change, except now you have access to it, which makes it even more frustrating for a business owner to get a call from somebody being like, how could you possibly go to my hostess and try to set up a meeting about payroll, you know, with our, with, with me, it's nuts. You know, we've been in business for 10 years. You just can't, you can't come, come through and expect to get an appointment like that. Yeah, totally. And you're, you're spot on. And just the customization is something that's changed a lot in general. Everything is highly customized now in terms of you can go online and find the exact content that you want. Um, you could subscribe to the exact blog that you want or podcast. So same thing with sales for sure. And, um, you know, I was reflecting just recently back on you know, although I was the number one guy there, I mean, some of the stuff I did was just horrible, not like unethical, 
but just like I'm like God, what an idiot I was. Like if like I'm, if you talked yeah. to yourself, you would yeah, have been pissed. I would be annoyed. <laughs> or like I'm like calling somebody every day, and I'm like, you know, I would it, honestly it would work sometimes, but you know, some I have guys now like they call my office line every day, and I'm like, I hate that company. Yes, I will never talk to those guys. Um, you know stop like you know stop leaving me that message like uh, i am getting the message and i just don't care to talk to you you know and there's this company called robert half that's a recruiting company that's the ultimate guys that do that so really maybe they'll hear this and hopefully cut it back a bit shut the fuck up just stop um but i would probably consider them if they weren't just you know so kind of aggressive with it so they're just an agency yeah they're like i mean you know that industry has i'm sure that they have great people too and that they're good and i think you know the sales manager if he was listening to this would probably be stoked but their sales guy he just calls every day leaves a message every day and it's you know it's like kind of move on to the next prospect get a hint like we're not interested yeah it's 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 so exciting the world that we live in because you can add solutions to companies and you can do things that other people aren't doing in all different types of industries all different types of industries, sales and marketing. I mean, we're living in a place where if you're doing the right things, then you're publishing what you care about as a company. I mean, power marketing digital. Let's talk about, you know, you guys started as how many employees? Yeah. So, um, power digital, we started in 2012 at the end of 2012, early 2013. I mean, there's three of us. How did you, why'd you make the, so um, we, um, so jump, after jump Xerox, we had, you know, my partners and I founded a couple of different companies and, you know, we had some successes and definitely some failures. And then, you know, one, we, we are part of this manufacturing company and, and it really was promising and we ended up getting in some litigation and we got sued by our biggest competitor for unfair competition, <laughs> which is just what the bullshit lawsuit that they sue you for when there's like not a great reason, but um, they ended up getting an injunction against us for this. And uh, we couldn't sell in California without having to get all these approvals, which just made it, wow. you know, the government made it impossible to do business just because, mm-hmm. you know, to get an approval takes a long time, cost money. So long story short, what was it in? This was a uh, plumbing component that we were manufacturing. And so were they trying to monopolize the, how, how so bit, the plumbing industry is a bit of a, you know, racket. Um, there's some big players, just like any of these industries, you know, where that want to protect theirs. And so the, we were making a waterless urinal cartridge and it retrofitted the traditional waterless urinal. And it was insane. It solved a huge problem and was very, very profitable. And, um, you know, we had, we had fixed this problem for a bunch and basically the company that made the, the urinal, you know, they, they sued us and said, you know, you can't, it's like if you were a razor blade, you know, where I'm now selling a new razor blade for your razor type of deal. Gotcha. So we had, what well, we had really grown that business and a lot of what we had always done through internet marketing. And so we had this injunction. And so that's when we started, um, you know, a separate business and started doing internet marketing for some people we knew. And it was more on a very small scale, just like, Hey, you know, we, we didn't have like this grandose plan. But we just did really great work and helped people grow their business. And then it just started to organically grow. And so I think, you know, our first full year was 2013. And I think we ended that year with maybe six people or something. Um, six clients or six, six employees? employees? Six employees. And um, Full time? Yeah. yeah. And I think that year we did revenue. I think I think our goal was maybe to do 200 and we did 500. So very, very small. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just started to really, you know, blow up. And, you know, the next year we were growing you know, tripling every year from, from there on out. Um, and now we have, you know, ending this year, we have 55 full-time team members. So That's our awesome. offices are in, in old town and we work with, you know, probably currently 90 different brands. Um, and we, they hire us 
to grow their business. And so it's really fun. Um, kind of even what I used to do at Xerox is you're trying to save people money or save them time <laughs> or all of it. I'll streamline this process. You know, I mean, businesses need that, but we get hired. None of that matters. We get hired to drive more revenue and sure. to grow what they do, which is a, a really fun pl- uh, position to be in. Who's well, your biggest client? Or in what what category? Yeah, so I mean, we have an v- array of clients. It's funny because, you know, there there's the vanity metric, which is revenue and how much they pay your revenue. And then there's the metric that matters, which is, you know, profit and how much do you make? So we don't, I don't know that we have uh, necessarily a biggest, but we have a bunch you'd know. You know, we work with uh, Berkshire Hathaway. We work with J. Crew. We work with Madewell. We work with uh, Jenny Craig. Nice. Um, Spanx. Uh, but then we work with small companies that you never heard of, like one called Canapet, who's one of my favorite. They make a CBD based dog product that literally is, I, I found it for my dog and it, I had an old diabetic dog and it is the most amazing product I've ever marketed. Um, and the people that use it for their dog, it changes their life. That's, that, awesome. that's a great client too. And he has zero employees. It's just him and then, and then so it really, it really ranges and we're, we go very kind of deep with our clients and are an extension of their team. And so, um, you know, we, we don't have a huge volume of small clients. We typically have a, you know, smaller volume of, of bigger clients where we're doing a lot for them. Right. That's so talk, talk awesome. about the intersection. Cause you guys, you're, you, I mean, on your website, you say you're not a small agency, you're not a large agency, mm-hmm. you're the intersection. Yeah. So typically in our industry, there's either these really small, you know, almost like, uh, basement dweller agencies where it's kind of like freelancers and they're remote and you know there's some really good people to do that but typically they they lack a lot of the tools and they lack a lot of the data um that is really needed to get really great results and uh so there's those guys and then there's these huge agencies and they're like an aircraft carrier so in our industry you need to be able to turn on a dime and pivot and so the really large agencies, like for them to try to change strategies or adjust, it's like they can't do it. And so we're really positioned where, you know, we have really, really talented people that are, you know, very deep experts on their channel, but we can, we can move very quickly and we can pivot and we can, um, you know, innovate because we don't have these corporate, you know, restrictions. I think a lot of people are starting to understand that and the importance of that. Sean and I talk about it a lot. Um, us being single unit stores like a Valley farm and, and him being one Cali comfort, we're able to, to pivot a lot faster <clears throat> for, for let's just say the trends or whatever's going on, the craft beer, the organic produce, the, um, you know, no hormone, hormone free stuff. We, we can do that where a commodity store has to go up the chain, go up and down. It could take a fucking year before something gets approved or sure. we can, you know, and I think a lot of people that are in the corporate are saying, Hey, there's a need to be able to pivot fast and they're jumping off ship and starting their own thing so they can be able to do that real quick. Yeah. Another thing that we're able to do and that it's a big part of our culture is we give our team members a ton of autonomy to make decisions. So they're not afraid to make decisions. They're not afraid to make mistakes. So it's like when you're working with one of our team members, even if they're a, a newer person, you know, they can do things for you. They don't need to get approval from this or that. And it's like, you know, you, we've all had it where, you, you know, you're talking to somebody like this person can't do anything for me. They right. can't solve my problem. Totally. They patch you up to their boss. They yeah. can't solve. And it's just, you know, we all hate that. It's, it's like AT&T. Yeah. That's the worst. So that's where, you know, we really, I think we, we've done a good job too of empowering our people to you know, mistakes are going to happen. We learn from it. Um, but typically they're always going to do the right thing for the company and for the client. And so that in that kind of middle ground is served as well as, well, it gives them an entrepreneurial aspect to their job that allows them to always create 
um, you know, just for us as a restaurant, you know, the ability for, and we started in 2007, really 2008. And that was, there were still yellow pages, you know, that that's how long ago this was. I and mean, we're talking about the first iPhone. Like it was a time where restaurants in order to be a restaurant, you had to be in the local yellow pages. I mean, that's a fucking joke now, you know, with all these different things that we have to market our restaurant, to let people know what's going on in spring Valley as a butcher shop, as well as a restaurant. I mean, we have to we live in a day and age where we have to be able to embrace whatever nuance there is in that in that change on how to market your business because it's so vital to your ability to get people to come in you know as as a retail shop you know that's really what we are as a retail store we have to find ways to get people to know about our brand and also to be able to sell things and whether that's to people that come into our shop or whether that's for us to ship that out to somewhere around the world i mean we have to be willing to ad- to adapt. And as a one unit restaurant, it's much easier than if we had 500 units and we had all this levels of corporate bullshit that made it very difficult to, to pivot. Totally. Yeah. And you know, for both your guys' businesses, it's just such a different game to market those. And it's, <laughs> it's complicated because a couple of things that you have that make it hard. One is that, you know, the average value of a client isn't always super high. Now, maybe yeah. over time it can be, but you can't spend a tremendous amount to acquire that client um, because, you know, they come in one time, you maybe make, you know, $20 off them mm-hmm. or something. Um, so there's that too, is you do, your attention is the, is the key. If they come in once you're, and you're trying to acquire the marketing, you're, you're never going to make money. Right. So you've got to bring them back. And then three is it's really hard to measure, you know, with digital, what's great is that you can measure, like I have e-commerce clients. I could tell you to the penny how much an ad made or a certain campaign but when you're going online to offline, it's really hard to kind of tie the dots back to, okay, I did this. And is that why these people came into, you know, the store or into the restaurant? And that's a challenge. That's like still a challenge that somebody will solve, you know, soon. And Facebook with their ad network is doing a lot using beacons and whatnot to be able to solve people going into stores. And Google is doing that as well. But it's still a really big challenge that we have. Sure. I think, uh, talk to us about, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast that they have a barbecue brand, they have a restaurant, they might have a catering company. Um, what would you give us some, you know, hacks that things that they can do right now for 2018 that, you know, should be top of the list? What, you know, things that they need to start focusing on just ways to grow digitally? Yeah, totally. I think, you know, the first thing, a big mistake that you know, companies like that make or people that have probably like limited resources or budgets is they try to do too many things. And so I would really try to, you know, find that one or two things, two uh, things that you think will work and, and talk to people to figure out what that is and focus on those. And then second is you have to stick with it. Like this podcast is an example. I'm sure the first couple episodes and maybe, you know, you're, you have a little traction probably because it's new and then you dip down a bit and it's easy to be like, man, like we're not getting the traction we want. Well, if you stick with it, you know, it'll start to build, but there is this like, you know, inflection point that you have to get to. So you can't just market something for a month or for two months. You need to be like, all right, here's my strategy and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it for a year. Um, so I think it's sticking with it. I, I think for small businesses like that, you know, that becoming a content engine is key and giving that, giving those secrets away. Everything is free online these days. Right. You know, so you need to play into that and give people, you know, you, you don't want to be guarded with that. You need to give it to them and give them great, great information and content so that 
you know, they can relate to the brand and, and it they're never going to pay you until you've proven to them, you know, why they should pay you. Totally. That's a big thing. I think even with this industry, it's hard because, you know, you have these recipes that you might think are proprietary to, to what you do. And it's like, Sean and I joke about it all the time. Like, I'll give anybody my recipe. It took me a while though. At first, you know, you're kind of guarded. You're like, no, no, no. This is like my secret, my family secret or whatever. Now it's like the transparency brings in so much more value to your consumer. It's, it's, it really, it's what drives that consumer to want to come back. They become more vested. They're like, I got that recipe from Valley Farm. It was the best I've ever had. That turkey was phenomenal. They keep coming back. They want to know more. And it's like, you would think it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Well, they're never going to come back. They have my recipe. They'll get it somewhere else. No, they're even more vested than they ever were. They want to keep coming back because they know you're going to tell them how to do it, what to do, what cut of meat to get, and how to how to cook it. And they're going to impress 20 people at, at Christmas dinner that they could have never fucking done before. <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, the most exciting part is when you start sharing that knowledge and, you know, the digital marketing component of podcasting, you know, adding context to really what you're doing. You know, Derek and I have become so close because we're willing to share everything that we know about events, everything we know about catering, everything we know about making Spring Valley better. And because of that, we've grown and we've grown now that we've been doing this podcast, we're connecting with people that they have businesses that they want to start or they're starting or they're butcher shops and they have communities there that we would never, we, we haven't, it's not about competition. You know, that, that's the craziest thing is like, we, we grew up in a world where it was like, you have to keep everything so vested and you have to protect everything. And you know, this is proprietary. It's like, it's not proprietary. Like it's all been done before right. everything that we fucking do at the restaurant. Like yeah. I stole it from some other restaurant. You know, someone had a great idea to, you know, have a sexy fish bowl and put a duck in it, you know, and it's going to look great on Instagram. Fuck. Yeah. Let's do it. Now, it, you know, it's, someone else if someone else does that that that's a compliment to us that means that we did something right right yeah no i agree fully and um i do think that the internet has really you know driven that switch i also think that just the younger generation is a little bit less guarded you know with information and people are they share so much through social media that's what it's all about so they're used to it but um, to both your, your guys' points i mean i i really believe both in business and in marketing that the more people that you help that there doesn't always need to be an immediate payback for that. Yeah. You know, and I, we've all worked with people. I mean, I work with people literally What's where I'm like, all right, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's coming and helping me. And I'm like, just waiting for him to be like, all right, so you're going to kick me this or that. And, um, I, I think even with like employees, it's the same thing. Like with our team, I, I really try to make it one of my goals to help them hit their goal because if they do, I will be paid back. You know, they won't leave. They'll keep getting better. Um, or so, if they do leave, they'll leave and grow, but they'll respect you that much more. And maybe down the line, there might be an opportunity there for both of you to do business or just totally. to mentorship. You you just have no idea, you know. But and you hopefully they'll that. be more successful than than you were, and now you get to you know ride their coattails and, <laughs> yeah. and be like, I was there in the early days. I helped them. So exactly. Uh, talk about flip the switch. Why? So as a as a digital marketing agency. Um, Obviously, we, we talk about podcasting all the time and we think that, you know, if if there's a, any friend of mine within Stone's Throw, I, I'm talking to them about starting their own podcast. But I was so fired up when you guys started yours and talk about why you did it, um, why you think it's important and kind of the process. Yeah, totally. So two things on that. One is, you know, it's funny because we're a, a digital marketing agency and we work with we execute. We don't just tell brands, here's how you do it. We actually execute for most of the brands. But we have done a poor job, you know, over the years on our own stuff. It's like the lowest on the totem pole. <laughs> right. And I'm sure you all have things that are probably in your businesses where it's like, 
you do this for everyone else and then it's it just so it's kind of been one of those and so you know over the last year we really put a big emphasis on our blog and you know pumping a ton of content and uh it's paid off you know we get i mean probably 20 leads plus a day that come through our site which is really good for our business um and so we wanted to just take that to the next level and we wanted to have more interactive content and so we start we played around with video a little bit it's it's really hard to execute on video you know because some people are just ugly naturally and uh <laughs> and then it's just you know you it's a, there's a lot more factors that go into producing really high quality video and so that's where we felt that the podcast you know would, would be a great way for us to really share that thought leadership um same thing with you all to meet great people and we are lucky because we have four guys on our team that are running that um Pat Kreidler and Pat's a great guy went to San Diego State you know a real rising star um Austin Mahaffey you know same thing young guy um Point Loma Nazarene guy and just a, a rising star in our company and then Joe Hollerup and John Saunders you know two veterans that we have and all of them had actually been a part of different podcasts in the in, in the past and had success and so we talked to them and they had the idea and we you know we went for it and it's been awesome because of what you guys have said we get to have rad people on and learn a ton those guys have gotten way better too I mean just their business savvy, their knowledge, they've just gotten way more polished as, as business people. Um, and then, uh, it's just a great thing to have ownership of too. You sure. know, there's a lot of pride and passion in it. So it's fun. We're a little behind you all, you know, I think we've only had maybe 12 episodes or 13, but, um, but you know, having fun with it and definitely getting better and progressing. But you mentioned it earlier. I mean, podcasting, it's a long play. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no immediate impact for Derek and I as more of, I mean, it, it is a platform for us that forces us to have conversations like this with you, with people that we respect that are doing things in business, that are doing things in marketing that, you know, for us, if we can get people to, that helps them on their journey, um, whatever that might be, whether that's, you know, somebody in sales or somebody that actually wants to get in and open their, up their own business, if we can help them along that way and it costs them nothing, uh, that's fantastic for us. Yeah. And I think the thing is, though, if, if you all stick with it and you do, you know, a great job like you're doing, you know, in three years from now, you'll have a major platform Yeah, where, you know, then you can monetize those things. And, and blogging is the same way. And it's hard for anyone to do because, you know, it's, it's hard for a lot of businesses to do this type of thing because you have to know that you're not going to get a return from it for a very long time. And it takes a lot of effort for you all. Obviously, it takes a lot of time to, you know, to make it great. Yeah, and it's hard because, like you said, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to get any monetary value out of it right away. And for for we talk about podcasting and to do your own podcast, just go into it for the right reasons. I think the best thing about Sean and I is that we, when we started this, it was how can we help others learn and teach them from our mistakes? <laughs> and it was a true transparency that we really wanted to do. Now. If we're given a bigger platform, we can keep doing it and keep sharing our stories and, you know, talking to great people. That's just icing on the cake. And, and to be able to talk to people, learn, that's, that's what excites us. So if you're really trying to do it just to try to get, you know, big sponsors, whatever it is, oh, you're probably into the, for the wrong reasons and it's probably yeah. not going to work out. You know, you're probably going to quit after a few months. And because like you said, it is hard. It, dude, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> I don't have fucking time. I really yeah. don't. And it was like, we make the time to do this. We, we talk about it. We, we figure it out. And 
it's kind of like working out. Once I get done, I'm like, fuck yeah, thank God we did that. But it's like, fuck, it's hard to like just get there and, and do it sometimes because you have, I mean, this is the busiest time of my year. I mean, there's no joke about it. This is where I make all my money to float me for the next couple months. January and February suck. You know, it's just not busy. People are watching what they eat. They're not coming in getting big dollar steaks. They want to get fucking produce and a little bit of fish. And, and you know, it's not till about March and April where they start to fatten up again. We get, to, we get them to come <laughs> back in and eat whatever they want. But it's it's hard to take away the time, but it's so worth it. We, we learn so much. We learn about ourselves. We learn about other people. And it's exciting for those reasons, not for the monetary value. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the toughest things is people always want to monetize. Like, how do I monetize? How do I get a return? And, you know, so much digitally, you can measure those returns. You know, you can actually give people, you know, analytics based off of their Facebook ad or based off of the Instagram. You know, this is exactly how many people saw your Snapchat filter, you know, which is really cool. You know, it's really cool because if I put an ad in the Union Tribune, I have no fucking idea unless I put a coupon with it attached to that. How do I find out that person came in? Or if I buy a fucking billboard, you know, how am I going to know how many people came in because of that? Like we are living in a, a day and age where you can actually get results, you know, and like you guys are results driven business and what kind of challenges are you facing when you're because it's crazy because so many different industries are facing the same challenges and they don't know what the fuck to do and like that's the craziest part the most exciting part because i almost feel like we're in a gold rush um era where there's so many opportunities for a small restaurant to be able to have an impact you know a butcher shop to be able to have an impact you know an agency that yeah you guys are san diego business you know, journal fastest growing company of 2017. That's awesome. But like, imagine where you could go in 2018, 2019, 2020, when every single car on the road has Bluetooth technology where you can just play a podcast of whatever the fuck you want to listen to. I can go home and I'm sitting around and I can listen to exactly whatever I want to because the home's audio enabled. Uh, talk about kind of the challenges and the excitement that you have going forward. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one misconception that people have with marketing, especially newer businesses, is they want to have marketing be what helps them become successful and get off the ground. Um, because that seems like glorious and that seems, you know, hard, but a lot easier than alternatives. And what I've always found, and I'm sure that you both have seen it, but in the early days of my business, and I'm sure, you know, Sean, same thing for you. You know, it wasn't really marketing that got that fire burning. It was you being out there hustling or me being out there hustling, talking to people. And then once that little ember starts to burn and your company starts to get some success, you can pour marketing on top and it's like the gasoline that makes it successful. And so that, you know, is a really, really, you know, key consideration. And more so now than ever is that there's so many scammers on the internet too that are like i can help your business market Dude. you know i'll show you how to get rich quick from your living room i fucking hate those and it's emails. all it's all Do you want fifteen thousand new followers like oh. shut the fuck up there That's is no silver about. bullet and <laughs> yeah, so right. i mean i tell people that all the time i'm embrace like, the process man and what you want like uh It'll never happen. And anybody that's telling you it is full of shit. And if you're happy to just have somebody tell you what you want to hear and you want to work with them, then, then go for it. But you'll be disappointed in a couple months. So I agree there's more opportunity than ever. But I still think it's really, you know, the fundamentals of, of hustling, being laser focused. And then once you have success, you know, one thing that I've been talking to our team about really remembering is, all right, we've had success now and there's a lot of meat on the bone for us. And we can get to a whole nother level and be in this really small, small percentage of elite companies, you know, regardless of industry, but we need to not take our eye off the ball. 
It's now you have money. It's easy to start spending it on stuff that doesn't matter. Distract yourself with fringe stuff that feels good. You know, you're like, yeah, you know, going to that lunch, I feel good about doing that the person, but you know, does it generate revenue for the company? Does it drive profit? So I really think that the focus is, is the biggest thing. And to your point, you know, with all the new technology, voice search, this technology, that technology, it's very easy for people to start getting distracted and, and not focusing on what makes their company money um, and what, dri- what drives whatever the goal that they have is. Yeah, I, I'm actually excited you, you talked about that and hit on that. That's um, one of the things I talk about a lot and get excited about, but it's, it's those true fundamentals. At the end of the day, if someone has a shit product, you can do whatever marketing you want. When the, people, the consumer comes in and tries it and it still tastes like a piece of shit, they're not going to come back, right? So you have to, you have to really focus on what drives the store. I always talk about what keeps Valley Farm going. And, you know, I know for me personally, 2018 is going to be a big thing. I had a meeting with my managers last week and I said, we need to get back to the nuts and bolts. We need to get back to not trying to think too big, but what, how can we be more efficient? How can we drive this into 2018 and keep pushing, keep doing the right things and not trying to be too innovative and take away from those little things that everyone comes in here for? Because if we get away from that, the consumer is not going to have that feel. They're, they're going to walk into Valley Farm and it's going to be a place where they don't feel comfortable. I want our nuts and bolts are we're a family owned store. People know us. We know their names. We talk to them all the time. We cannot get away from that. We need to be that every single day, no matter how big we get, whatever. We need to always be that person. We're talking to them, making sure they're feeling comfortable, creating an experience at Valley Farm, getting back to just the hospitality of it. And I think that's what's important. Then, like you said, that marketing on top, doing that right, then that just drives it even more. That's that fuel that you know burns it even more. Yeah. And one thing that both of you have done, and I don't, you maybe don't fully realize it. I'm sure you, you, you probably do, but is with both of your brands, you've done a very good job of marketing where you're marketing one to two or one to three or one to four. And if you're marketing one to one, meaning I run a marketing initiative and I acquire one person, it is almost impossible to make that profitable regardless of what industry you're in. Now you all do that where you'll market to one, you'll get them to come in and they have such a great experience and they have such a connection with you that they want to go tell their friends, you know, about that experience. And so you get that one person in, well, it really is four or five and that math works, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that model works really well. And so to your point, you know, I, I think focusing on the current customer base, especially once you've gotten kind of critical mass and you have a successful business, it's easy to get distracted and try to be like, how do we get new clients, new clients, new clients, and really the easiest thing is, all right, how do we grow our current customer base? How do we make them more passionate about what we offer to them so that they'll go do that work for me? Yeah. And I think you both have done a you know, tremendous job and that's why your businesses have been so sustainable and, and been able to continue to grow and flourish. Yeah, I think that you know those are the things, exactly what Derek said. It's so important to always focus on the core of the why we started this business and why we're doing what we're doing. Because once you lose focus, I mean, we had 18 employees once we started and now we have 92, you know, it gets much harder once you start scaling once, you know, any, in any business, once you start scaling, you have levels of management that, you know, just naturally are going to restrict growth. And, you know, for us to focus on the things that make us excited, you know, exactly what you said, you know, hustling, getting out there and doing events like, you know, all the caterings we did in the past, they weren't always sexy, but we did it and we did the absolute best job we could. And we figured out how can we 
you know, put meat on the smoker so that it it's coming off at the exact best time so that when we serve it to the client, they're like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. Like I'm going to, th- every time I think about barbecue, I'm going to think about Cali. Like those things were important. Now it's all just icing on the cake because now we have, you know, our staff and our team, like Layla, she's, um, you know, goes out with her iPhone. She can video uh, the setup, the display. And yeah, now it looks, it it's great 10 years later, but you know, you have to care about the core. And if you don't care about the core, then the rest of the stuff, you know, it'll, it'll fail. And I think a lot of people want to see that. People want to see that type of true organic content. Um, you know, the failures, those things that we did that weren't probably all the, the sexy, beautiful pictures and, and be like, you know, when we just talk about bullshit, we put it on Instagram. I mean, people want to see that stuff where they know you're just, you're, we're just normal human beings trying to do the best we can. And, yeah. and we are who we are. It's, it's not. And that's- I'm, I'm very comfortable in who I am. One of the coolest things about the podcast, because we've been so transparent, because we've talked about our failures and how smoking turkeys on Thanksgiving was probably one of the shittiest things that I've ever done. Um, but we've gotten other people to share their barbecue journey with us and their restaurant journey. And they're willing to share their photos of like the fucking barbecue smoker crashing, you know, the tire falling off before, the, before the Spring Valley Barbecue yeah. Festival. But that ha- that's happens. Life, you know, business... You know, the business that they put when you're in college and they're, you know, this is your business degree, it's profit and loss statement. This is how you're going to run a successful corporation. It's like business is fucking messy. Like bottom line, it's fucking messy. And it's as much as we want it to be black and white, there's a, there's a lot of gray that you have to operate in and you just have to deal with shit, you yeah, know, deal with shit and, and do the absolute best you can because we want to be sustainable, right? I mean, fuck, we've had so many businesses like Tilted Kilt that have closed since we've been open. I mean, I just went to Breakfast Republic in Pacific Beach. Amazing concept. Yes, Cohen Restaurant Group, they're doing fantastic, but they took over Miller's Field. You know, that stuff is alarming to me because that means that, you know, those businesses are no longer in business. And we're out here in Spring Valley on Troy Street. We are in business. Derek's family, you know, third generation, 62 years in business. That's that's fucking exciting. But he exactly what he said. When people come into the store, they need to feel like it's a family rest. The same, the same generational reason why they came in when they were kids, why they're bringing their kids in, that has to stay true to the core. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I just, I found a way to embrace that process in my mind to, to get myself back to really. You know, sometimes the day-to-day stuff, it just isn't that sexy. And sometimes it's just <laughs> a fucking grind. But I'm figuring out a way to get... You know, and it's, and it's hard. It's, I had to teach myself. How, how do you get yourself to be super motivated? Because guess what? I don't need to be motivated just for myself. I have to figure out a way to motivate all my employees. And that's that's a big thing. Like, they need to see that I'm doing it. That Here's where we're going. I'm not looking at doing all these other things when I still have fucking walls outside that are brick that are, are falling apart. I need to fucking fix those. Yeah. I need to make sure that I'm getting taken care of this. So people, my employees see that, that I'm vested back in here and they're going to be just as invested and it works. It just works. And I hope that I can create that. I mean, we haven't lost it, but I just hope I can build on it even more this year. I'm, I'm excited for this year. Yeah. One of the things that I've always been really paranoid about as we've grown and I've, I've seen the mistake happen. So I've, I've got, I've, I've been lucky to where I've seen somebody else share the failure. And so I got to learn from their experience and hopefully I can take that and not make that mistake because they were generous enough to show me that. But is, you know, as the company scales, as the leadership, they kind of climb up into the ivory tower and they lose touch with reality. 
And I've seen it on many levels. I've seen it with salespeople to become managers and then they haven't been on a sales call in a year and they're giving advice and they have no idea. And then I've seen it with, uh, you know, CEOs that are kind of like this wartime CEO early on and they're in the trenches with their team and they, they want to work on the business like all of us. It'd be nice to get out of it a little bit more and work on it more, but you know, they'll, they'll go too far and they'll swing too far on that and they just, they lose it. And so I think, you know, I, I totally agree with both your points and, and, uh, you know, keeping that, you know, intact and not being above any task in your company. You know, if you need to go do the dishes, you know, one day, you know, you do that. And I think it shows that, Hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes and I'm not above you and, you know, we're all in it together. So I think that is a really, really key consideration as companies grow. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk about your mentorship program that you guys do. I mean, you, you employ a lot of millennials, uh, which you proudly state and you use that as a, as actual something to promote because millennials are an incredible workforce. If you, you know, embrace the world that we live in. Yeah. And I mean, millennials are the future. So the moms, the young moms now that are spending a lot of money that a lot of brands want to market to, they're millennials. Um, if wife is a millennial. Yeah, you are. Remember? Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, just, she just ordered baby laundry detergent on Amazon, one yeah. click, and it came. But because she's like, I can't fucking go to the store. And if you're she's not like, marketing to like, millennials, you are going to have a problem because your customer is going to get old and some of them will pass away or they will no longer have control of the wallet. So it's critical. So we kind of consider ourselves that millennial marketing agency. Um, and especially in what we do, I mean, the, the younger team members know so much more than I know about the trends and what's going on. But what I've found, and I, I definitely know it's true for me, is with that group, they can be the biggest weapon, um, but you need to embrace them. And by embracing them is they want to grow. They do not want to feel like they're treading water. And so we've made a big focus to put programs in place for them to grow. And a couple of easy examples you know, one super easy one is um, we did a book club. So, you know, we meet up at 7 a.m. We read a book together um, and just talk about it. And, you know, we all learn together. We grow. The team comes out fired up and they get into the office at 7 a.m. and are working by 8, which never happens. They're usually <laughs> So that's an easy one. But the one that you're referring to. Is that to, Monday through Friday? No, it was just one. We're, we're, we, we'll do it quarterly, kind of mm-hmm. on and off. We just finished a book. We were doing it like Tuesday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Power Pairs Mentorship Program is the one that you're referring to. We actually got a bunch of good press about it, too. So after we did it, we published and let people follow along. And we got a lot of great press about it. But basically, I was sitting on the couch this time last year. It was over winter break. And I was like, all right, we need a really good program to help our team members get better. And we have you know leaders in our company that need to become better mentors. And we have young people in our company that, you know, they just need bigger support. And so, and I was like, we, you know, we're really busy right now. I don't have a ton of time personally. And so I came up with this idea of teaming up, you know, different team members across departments as a mentor mentee. And I gave them really loose guidelines. Like you're supposed to meet once a week, come up with a core curriculum that you want to learn mentor, you come up with it. Um, and then, you know, some other small steps, but then essentially it all led up to a competition where at the end of the quarter, they all pitched what they learned and showed that it was, a you know, the two of them and the winner won a thousand bucks. Right. So the company from it, I think we had nine teams, you know, our team members got way better. They were super motivated. The synergy was much stronger because now you have this, the Kate who runs our PR team working with Alexa and our content team or uh, Bill and our SEO team working with Sam and our PR team. So you have this co- kind of collaboration 
And I mean, if you ever teach somebody something, you learn it at a whole nother level. Absolutely. So, and we also, they each wrote a blog post on it. So we got nine great blog posts. We got coverage from like Inc. Magazine, I think Fast Company, a few others. And we got better and it cost us $1,000 to do. That's awesome. So it's just kind of the, the, you know, being entrepreneurial in how you, you know, coach up your people and stuff too. So you can definitely put that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, it's not just a company. It's it's a mentality in terms of how, how the companies run too. Well, it's also, you, you just touched on the fact that PR agencies are having trouble moving on to the new world. Um, talk about the relationship now you created your own press you didn't send out a press release you know you created your own press and talk about you know the content drive towards doing that yeah and press releases are dead you know i, I would never <laughs> spend money on those i mean there are a couple circumstances where maybe you you want to see the market can you fax it. that in but uh yeah there it's a, it's a total waste of money um but you know i mean you know sean you should be the one talking about it as i've watched you know, your journey and, and, and Cali comfort. I mean, I work with a lot of brands and we do marketing and I don't think I've ever seen or known anyone that's been as crafty as you all have about figuring out ways to finagle yourselves into And obviously I think it's, you know, you have the, uh, the natural ability to build really authentic relationships and the passion and stuff, but it's fucking persistent. Nobody's Jesus done. Nobody's done the job that you've done. So. Jesus Christ. That, that Bulgarian Dude. blood. God, is he calling me again? Oh, dude, like, Leave Sean's here. Oh, shit. What does yeah. he want? You know, what are we going to do? Now, that's true, though. I mean, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, of what you've done at Cali Comfort. I've watched it. I've been in it. I've seen everything. The growth, it's what helps motivate me, too. I mean, to see what you're doing, where you're going, I mean, those those things are, are awesome. And to what you talked about earlier, not being afraid to fail, you know, sometimes you get in your own way. And to be okay with failing and, and learning from it and being open, that's that's hard. It's hard as fuck, man. It's, yeah. it's, and it's exciting to watch. Well, I think, you know, one of the most exciting things for me is to watch you and your journey and you build your company. But not only that, it's just to see other people in different industries because this affects everybody. And like, if you're an attorney, this affects you. If you're a doctor, this affects you. You know, if you have a shoe store, I don't care what business you're in or where you are. Like, this is something that's relevant today. And, you know, having an up-to-date LinkedIn profile. Yeah, LinkedIn isn't as sexy as people think it is. But, you know, there's people there and there's a marketplace there. And if you want to, you know, enhance your business, you need to know what's going on on LinkedIn. You know, talk talk a little bit about LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn's a, it's come a very long way. Um you know, I think it used to just be more of a place that you would go kind of scope people out and get contacts for companies. And now it's, I mean, it's a content hub. You know, people are, are publishing really great content there. Um, but no doubt it's a really good way to go do research, you know, see how many people, uh, you know, a company has, you know, look at the quality and caliber of their people, see experience of people that you're working with. So it is really critical. I mean, I, the first thing I do when I'm going to talk to a business person, whether it's, you know, somebody that I'm interested in working with, or if they're, you know, coming towards me or whatever, is I go look at their LinkedIn and I, I learn about who they are. So it's definitely, you know, critical to have maintained. The other thing that they're doing really well that people probably don't know as much is they've invested a ton in their ad network. And so it's starting to become a pretty powerful marketing engine if you're B2B, you know, where I can target, you know, based off some pretty in-depth criteria. So I can target companies in a certain geographic location that are a certain size in a certain industry. Um, as well as different individuals and whatnot. So 
they're improving that a lot. They just removed their minimums for their main ad type where they used to charge a minimum. I think it was like $10,000, which was a big barrier for a lot of small businesses. So they're really, that's how these companies make money. I mean, you know, LinkedIn was built to monetize through ads. And a lot of those are recruitment ads. Facebook was built to monetize through ads. You know, the more engaged the person is on Facebook, the more information they're giving up. So the more actions they're taking, the more data they have, the more precise the advertiser can be. And same thing with Google. People, Google owns all these different products and companies. Their biggest revenue generator and what the the hub of them is there is adwords it's you know bidding on things that people are searching and serving ads to them so um i definitely think embracing it and understanding it is 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 really critical and if you're not paying attention to it you're you're losing business likely and opportunities no I, my wife is on it all the time because she uh, works for a civil and environmental engineering company and she's the recruitment manager for them so she was telling me about what it can do and everything. That's when I kind of started getting on it a little bit more. And, you know, I just had a little thing on it and it's like, I fucking need to step my game up. Cause I mean, like you said, it's just, she's like, Oh, I look at everyone's, you know, when we're going for them, what they're doing, who they've been with, you can just find out so much more. And, uh, it really helps them for sure. Yeah. And I think it's for some people it's tough. I know for me, it's uncomfortable, but there's somebody taught me this early on and, uh, Sean's definitely lived it, but it's, if you're not promoting yourself, nobody is, you know, so your company's the same way, you know, and people are like, oh, I don't want to brag or I don't want to put these things on my LinkedIn. I do that. That's, but you that's have what to. I, that's what yeah. I fall into all the time. Like, I don't want to be this pretentious thing. And I, I have a hard time because I don't want to cast a shadow for my kids too big where it's like they feel like they have to live up to something. I have a, I mean, I struggle with that every single day. I, I was successful in football. You'll never see one thing in my fucking house has anything to do with football. They're never going to have to feel like they have to do that. In business, I want to be able to give them something that they're proud of. But at the same time, I want them to be their own person if they want to do something else. So I struggle with that shit all the time. I don't put my kids on on social media very often, once or twice a year. And it's because I try to protect them. I'm learning that I might be able to get out of that a little bit, but it's it's fucking hard for me. It's it's, it's I don't want to, you know, be too much. And and it's hard because you when we started doing Facebook and stuff like that, you're like, oh, this guy's just fucking bragging about everything. And it's like well, it's so much more than that now. It's just a bigger thing than you ever thought it was. It's not, people don't see it that way. And I get stuck in like, well, I don't want it to, I don't want, I don't know. It's hard for me for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a crazy, it's a crazy world that we live in. I mean, fucking the fact that when we opened the restaurant, I didn't have a Facebook account. I mean, it took me like a two years. I was making fun of Corey, you know, for having a Facebook account till I realized it was, I could actually use it for our business and have a business page. And, you know, I would have, you know, there was a time where I was looking at Facebook and I was like, you know, sending a, a page, you know, a request for friends that I have in my personal page, sending a friend request. And then it was like, am I being intrusive telling them to like my business page? You know, it's like, those are the struggles that I used to have until I got to where I am now, where it's like, you know, if, if there's, you know, you have friends on Facebook and then you have, you know, your real friends, your core friends that, you know, you, some of them are on Facebook. Some of, you know, some of my best friends aren't on any fucking, like, I can't get them on Snapchat. I can't tweet at them. I can't, you know, LinkedIn, like I have to text them to, you know, to get in touch with them. And that, that's totally fine. But, you know, the world that we live in, it's so much different. You know, it's so much different than when we even first started our restaurant in 20, 2008. I mean, we're going on to 2018, 10 years in business. And we're in probably one of the most exciting times 
but you could possibly be in no it is hands down the most exciting times i mean fuck when i first started facebook i had a you had to get on facebook with a college email so it was only for college students i think um and from where it went from there to what it is now it's just completely different so i'm stuck in the old times i think i gotta get out of it well i mean but get out I, of my own way but i mean you have i mean you have and you've embraced it and you've seen the I mean, you've seen the long-term ROI that it can oh, have no, because, sure. because of awareness. No, absolutely. You know, it's not even somebody that's actually coming through the doors, but it's like, holy shit, there's a butcher shop in Spring Valley that, you know, has this amazing pokey and like that has fresh fish and like all this stuff is all just on the back end of, you know, that brand awareness, which is incredible. I mean, you know, my family in Bulgaria, they watched the barbecue championship in Del Mar on Facebook. All the videos that we put, they felt like they were at the fucking contest. Yeah. And that's all the way in Bulgaria on the other side of the world. Well, you're giving them value. You're, you're sure. giving them value that they can be a part of it, even though they can't be here. So, so yeah, I mean, the Flip the Switch podcast, I love. I mean, I, I commend you for, you know, taking the lead on that and also to let your team do their thing. You know, it's tough as the CEO to always want to be involved in every step of the process. But um, those guys are doing a kick-ass job, and I highly recommend anybody to – you know, subscribe to that podcast because you guys are giving information on what is current, what is relevant in, you know, this great format that is short, but it's also engaging and you have different perspectives, which is cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I've done absolutely nothing uh, for that podcast. <laughs> I mean, I've just supported them and I've, you know, I had the pleasure. I got invited on once to be a guest <laughs> trying to get my second invite, but it's all, it's all the guys. Um, but it's, it's cool. And I think what's, what's neat is, as you all have too, is, you know, one of the things I actually feel blessed is I, uh, I'm a part of a group called the Entrepreneur Organization in San Diego and it's given me a ton of opportunities and I've learned a ton from it. Um, but we've had a lot of awesome guests that have come from that. Like we had a guy that was on yesterday. Uh, his name's Mark divine. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's a founder of seal fit, um, unbeatable mind, uh, best-selling author. Um, he wrote, well, he's written quite a few books, but he's an ex Navy seal. And so just having him come on and I mean, the following that he has is incredible and kind of, you know, it's really special for us and for, you know, the guys, our hosts who are, you know, probably 24 to 26 year old year olds to get to talk to a guy like him and just learn and, and it's motivating. So it's been fun and definitely appreciate that. And yeah, I would love people to, to listen to uh, flip the switch. We cover a lot of stuff on cryptocurrency, tons on Amazon and technology and just trends and business. Um, and we definitely get a good diversity of guests from, you know, uh, you know, real estate investors to internet marketers, um, to Navy SEALs, uh, you know, hopefully to, uh, some hospitality guys, you know, sometime soon if we can <laughs> get you guys to come on, but, uh, it's, it's good diversity and a lot of good perspective. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely exciting. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you as a CEO is on Twitter. Um, I appreciate that, you know, you know how much we care about Twitter. Um, just just from a communication standpoint, I mean, the fact that, you know, all the media is on Twitter and, you know, when people are trying to get publicity for an event that they're doing or the business that they're running or a cause that they're trying to raise money for, um, if you're on Twitter, chances are you can find out directly who should be, who should be covering that event. Yeah. And it surprises me that more people don't use it as individuals too, because, you know, for me, it's where I go for my news. Like I, the last couple of days I've been typing in Padres and just looking at the trending news again and again and again to see what you know, who they're going to sign. 
you know, you're going to get much more recent news there than from the Union Tribune or any outlet. So it yeah. surprises me that even people that maybe aren't comfortable tweeting or don't want to do that, that they're not just being just that using as a search engine. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, I know me personally, when I started my own personal Twitter account, it was much easier to tweet in the first person voice than it is for as Cali comfort. And I don't know why that was, but that just for me worked out um, that way. And that's why I appreciate that you're on there. And Derek, I just noticed Is that yours. Yeah, I've got a. I, I've got it. animated emojis. He did it, dude. I did it. I like it. Derek, uh, he's been sending me all these animated emojis, and I realized I, I just couldn't. I couldn't keep getting them from him. And this, <laughs> not, this not envy. Back. No, I know. Um, iPhone X. That's ten years. My son. My son was born on Ju- June 29th, so that was the ten year anniversary of the first iPhone release. Nuts time flies he's gonna live in 10 years from now it's gonna it's gonna look a lot different yeah i can't imagine what he'll be carrying it'll probably be uh you know won't fit in your pocket it'll be huge the way that things are going yeah i know who knows it'll probably be in his arm embedded but that's what's that's what's exciting i mean we have no idea we just don't fucking know where it's gonna go and i mean just i guess enjoy the ride right yeah just go with it and don't be don't get in your own way so you guys you guys do assessments for businesses as well yeah so our our process is very custom. So typically, you know, we'll have a, a business that comes to us and wants help, you know, growing. And so we'll, we'll just have an initial conversation with them. And, you know, what are your goals? What are you currently doing? What's working? What's not working? You know, how much money do you make on a typical deal? What price would you be willing to pay to acquire a new customer? You know, all these types of questions, right? And then we get a real good feel for their goal, their budgets. And I could we could typically pretty quickly tell it if it's realistic and if we can help them. And if it is and they're serious, then we'll do uh, what we call like an audit or an assessment where we'll literally we'll get into their analytics account. We'll look at the we'll look at their numbers and what they're currently getting, what's their current conversion rates, and we'll turn over all the stones and we'll show them kind of the good, the bad, the ugly. So, hey, here's what you're doing really well that you should keep doing and that we could help you capitalize on more. Here's a missed opportunity that your competition is, you know, taking advantage of that we should be leveraging or protecting. And then, hey, here's something that you're doing terribly that we can fix. And we'll kind of model out those numbers. And then based on that conversation, if if uh, there's alignment and, you know, they believe in the vision that we have and whatnot, then we'll, we put together like a custom marketing plan for them. And typically our marketing plans are, you know, a six to 12 month plan um, and then, you know, begin to execute and measure and, and kind of iterate and, and uh, measure the results and go from there. I think one of the things you, you've talked about is it, it's a long-term plan though. You know, it's like, it's, too. you know, you, you're not investing all this time to learn because essentially it's a partnership. I mean, it's Derek and I, we talk about it with, you know, a lot of the guests that we have on harvest meats, us foods, it doesn't matter what business it is. You know, like this is a long-term play. Like we're not planning on going anywhere. And if we're going to invest this much time, like, you know, we're going to be a brand ambassador for whatever, whoever we're in business with just as much as they, they need to be for us. Otherwise we won't be in business. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is that people think internet marketing, they're like, Oh, we should have results and be making money in three months. And it's like, no, like why would, if, if I could get, make you that type of money in three months during that marketing, why would I work with you? I'll just start what you're doing. And right. you know, it's very hard to do instant gratification. Yeah. That's what we run into all the time is people want it right now. And, and 
What do you mean you can't get me 15,000 new customers in, in a month? The bummer oh. is that there's a lot of people out there that will just tell them what they want to hear. Sure. You know, and, and that's in, in every industry. And then but that's good for you because you're thinking about your long, longevity of your business. You're like, look, I'm not going to fucking lie to this guy because I'm not going to be around. If I just lie to everyone, get him and can't fucking perform, I got to be honest. Here, here's what's going to happen. We got six months to a year to get you some growth. And if it's fucking not working, it's not working, but I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to do it in a month or two months. It's just not going to work. Totally. And I'm sure you guys, you know, you work in a relationship where either side isn't happy. It's just not fun. Right. Like I don't yeah. care how much money you're making. It's not fun. Right. I'd rather. So I, I, the sincerity and the honesty piece is just really the key to sustainability. Well, not only that, but that sincerity piece becomes a blog post where you're actually just telling the secrets of how it is. And then somebody's going to come in after a bad experience at six different agencies and be like, fuck, I'm tired of it. Now I'm searching Google searching, I'm voice searching. And I found a blog post where you guys are just telling me all the actual transparent shit that how, how it goes down. Yep. And that's why that, that audit is so key because you know, what we do is a little bit like voodoo sometimes for people and over their head. And so we try to just like show them the cards and not hide anything. And it's either going to work or it's not. I mean, the price is the price. It's going to take this much time and we have to make money. We're a business too. And so, you know, that, that has worked well for us. Um, but it's also just helped us build really authentic partnerships and, and proper expectations with the brand. Well, it's gotta be doing. hard too for small businesses to understand that. Cause it's, it, it costs money. It's, it's fucking hard. And then for guys that might be a little bit older that don't really understand it just yet, you're like, what the fuck do you mean? I'm going to spend all this money for, for what? It, it's They don't get it because they might be one foot out the door like, oh, well, I'm going to sure. be retiring soon. So it's you got to like play towards, like you said, the millennials, the younger entrepreneurs that are kind of understand. Like me, get out of your own way. Like, let us help you. You know, that's that's probably your target people, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, Grayson, we uh, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, busy as fuck trying to close out <laughs> 20, uh, 2017 and trying to get launched for uh, 2018. Uh, people can find you in the show notes. We're going to put all the links um, to your website, to your guys's blog, um, to your social handles, um, to the flip the switch podcast uh, so people can subscribe. Flip it. Yeah, we uh, we appreciate all the listeners, um, all the feedback that we get to uh, people that are ready to take the the jump. Um, I even heard from Mikey K, who's man meat barbecue. He's been texting me. He's uh, enjoying the podcast, and he's uh, just bought his own smoker. Good. So he he podcasts. Uh, he's one of the reasons we started this podcast because um, he's been so successful in you know this long journey of podcasting but uh he wants to start his own catering business so he's been sending me his specs on his design and his smoker and he, he's doing this thing good dude, that's so awesome. chicago's gonna get some uh some some, some new more Q. more q some more q that's so awesome shout out to Take the plunge. man, man Meat jump Barbecue, off the cliff mikey k and uh grayson thank you for your time man we, we appreciate, appreciate it buddy it. yeah thanks a lot guys really appreciate you having me on you got it Behind the, the switch